Welcome to the Jeffers Brief, only on Contra Radio Network. Pa-pa-da-da-da. Hello again, Intelligentsia. Welcome if you're a new listener here on the Contra Radio Network. I am John Jeffers, your host, founder of the Contra Radio Network here on the Jeffers Brief, welcoming you to another informative episode for you preppers and patriots out there. Well, apparently there's been a massive, a massive earthquake in Alaska. Now, if you listen to, you know, some of our uh, mainstream media people, it's 7.8. Well, that's not necessarily true. You know, the earthquake, which is centered 221 kilometers west of Tofino, that struck at 5.33 a.m. Mountain Standard Time, the U.S. Geological Survey has it at a 5.4 magnitude and Canada quakes has it at 4.0 and other sources are reporting as high as 6.2 so bear you know it is what it is so let's put it this way we don't get a lot of listeners in Alaska mainly because a lot of them well they just don't listen however for our friends in Canada and the Yukon Territory well, there you go. Uh, who else had? What's this one from? This one says it's 277 miles from Dillingham, Alaska, at 1:12 a.m. So, there it is. There you have it. Okay, for my prepper friends, the question has come. I, you know, I know a lot of you. A lot of you have seen the signs, you know, saying there's a coin shortage, we can't give change. And you're probably wondering, why is that? Well, I'm going to give you the answer. This is from The Morning Call, Jennifer Sheehan. And the answer is, if you take a trip to your local supermarket or convenience store, you'll probably see a sign asking you to use exact change. Now, while this may not seem to add up, as many of us have used less cash and ordered more online, there's actually a national coin shortage thanks to the pandemic. In a nutshell, the pandemic slashed the normal flow of coins in circulation through stores and businesses. That's what the U.S. Mint spokesperson Michael White said. He says, during this pandemic, the demand for circulating coins has drastically increased in part because precautions taken throughout the nation to slow the spread of the virus have reduced retail sales activity and significantly decreased deposits from third-party coin processors, White said. Now, throughout this pandemic, fewer customers have been using cash to shop to avoid hand-to-hand contact with store staff, as well as just generally shopping less in brick-and-mortar businesses. That puts fewer coins into circulation, contributing to the the shortage. Now, the majority of the nation's coins, 83% of them, come from the recirculated supply through businesses and third-party coin processors, White said. New coins are minted in two locations by the Mint, Denver and Philadelphia. Both locations have been working at full production capacity while keeping workers safe since mid-June, White said. 
Now, they've ramped up the number of coins they usually produce. In June, the Mint produced almost 1.6 billion coins, and White said they are on track to produce 1.65 billion coins per month for the remainder of 2020, or an annual production of 19.8 billion circulating coins. Compare that with 12.4 billion produced in 2019. So that's why you see the coin shortage. It's just they're just not circulating through the system like we are, like we normally see. See important things like that because I've I've seen the I've seen the post also on social media where they're saying why why is that why what's going on? Well, now you know. Look, I'm not saying it's true. I'm not saying it's not true. I just get. I give you the story. I let you decide what you want to believe. I, I, speaking of which, I hope you all enjoyed or at least listened to the call-in show last night I had with Mr. Cook and Mr. Kaz uh, discussing some of the things. And in case you missed it, Mr. Cook has lost two family members Two, not one, two family members to the COVID-19 virus. So I thought I'd put that out there and I wanted to get that out. I thought it was a pretty decent show. We haven't had a lot of call-in shows and I do like doing the call-in. So, oh, by the way, welcome listeners in Bahrain. You, you guys, I don't know who's listening in Bahrain. It's a tiny country in the Middle East. I believe they're on the, the coast of the Red Sea. But I got to tell you something, guys. Um, they're listening. Welcome. Our friends in Canada, welcome. Australia, welcome. Northern Ireland, welcome. France, welcome. So, again, if I missed your country and your listener there, I apologize. I don't have the list up in front of me. All right. Let's talk about this. Uh, six essential maps to store before an EMP. You should have these maps no matter what. And I'll tell you why. Because a lot of times, I don't, it's not that I don't trust GPS, but sometimes it has a tendency to go out. And if there was an EMP, you wouldn't have GPS anyways. But what you can have, and EMP will not, or in fact, the only thing that would really affect a map would be fire. You could actually get your maps and laminate them, and now they're waterproof. And get a grease pencil, and now you can sit there and draw on them too. Where is this from? Askaprepper.com. Found this. I wanted to share it with you because I think it's important that every prepper and patriot do have these six maps. Now, the U.S. Army has a facility in Fort Irwin, California, known as the National Training Center. Some of you have been in the military, have been there. There are, uh, there are a number of other national training centers operated by various departments of the government, but it's the one run by the Army that's the most applicable to us. You see, Army units are sent to the NTC to follow a schedule that's planned out years in advance. While there are many different lessons that the NTC is trying to impart to the units visiting there, the primary one is about reconnaissance. Find the enemy and don't let him find you. 
Many of the mock battles they run are all about figuring out where the enemy is and what they are doing. Now, information is said to be the most valuable commodity on the face of the planet. It certainly is at the NTC. Without fail, units that win the reconnaissance battle end up winning the battle that follows. You're saying, John, what does this have to do with prepping? We're getting to it, boys and girls. We're getting to it. Now, the same lesson applies to survival as well, even though death is the enemy we are trying to defeat. Information and knowledge are ultimately just as valuable to the prepper who is trying to survive as it is to the general who is planning his strategy. Some of that information can be found on maps, either those you buy or maps you should be compiling for yourself. There is a lot of information out there which isn't available on any map, but should be. And those maps must be printed because electronic maps, especially those which are only available online, are going to be totally worthless to you in the wake of an EMP. As, as we discussed earlier. So, oh, how much time have I got before the first one? Ooh, all right, look. We're going to continue this, but I got to take a break. I got to get this in. I got because my producer, Don Lowry of the two crazy guys, insists that I hit my marks. And I don't always do it, so I do have to listen to him because he makes me sound good. So, all right, do me a favor, stick around. We'll be right back. We're going to finish this up because this is important information that you're going to need and you should have in your supply catch no matter what. So stick around, we'll be right back. Hey folks, guess what the number one phrase that Life Change Tea receives by email? You ready? We love this tea. We love this tea. Time after time, week after week, we love this tea. Life Change Tea gives you more energy, a beautiful cleansing, and fulfills its slogan perfectly. The tea that makes you go. So if you want to be on your health game, log on to getthetea.com and order Life Change Super Strength Tea. Packages come in a one-month supply, and when you brew this stuff, wait until you see the results. Aren't we all about the results? And with a lot of people's health struggling, we can use a little bit of help. Doctors will tell you, disease starts in the gut. So log on to getthetea.com. That's getthetea.com. Be our next email saying, I love this tea. I mean, I love this tea. Get the tea at getthetea.com. Helping America one tea bag at a time. Life is unpredictable, but you can count on Valley Food Storage to help you and your family prepare. With clean, natural, great tasting, and long-lasting food storage, with our natural and nutritious freeze-dried food, 
you'll be storing the food you love to eat. Log on to ContraRadioNetwork.com and click on the Valley Food Storage banner. Welcome back. Oh, welcome back. Uh, going through puberty again. Uh, welcome back to the Jeffers Brief. Let's continue on why you need these six maps. Now, we're also accustomed to using our GPS to get around, making the same trips back and forth in the same places. That, most of the time, we literally have no idea what's around us. Whereas, there was a time when people had to had, to, had an, encycl- an encyclopedic knowledge of routes, roads, and locations. Most of us have trouble finding any place but our normal hangouts without asking Google how to get there. So you can hardly find someone who still has a roadmap in his glove compartment. By the way, I do. So when I moved to the city I now live in, I had to order a city map online. Even then, I had trouble finding one. This is not me speaking. Yet, if an EMP were to take, over, take out the internet and our phone system, we would need those maps just to get around. In addition to the roadmap of the city you live in, you'll want roadmaps that cover the entire area you need to pass through from your home to your survival retreat, as well as the area around your retreat. Go for the maps with the most detail possible so that you have the best information available. If you can find them, those book type maps they use to print of major cities are ideal. And I believe at this point the author is talking about it's a Rand McNally Road Finder. All the 26 years I was with the sheriff's office, I always had one in the seat next to me because they had to run the county. And, for example, I live in Lake County, Illinois. Do you have any idea how many streets and roads are named Lake Street, Lake Road, Lake Avenue, Lake Boulevard, etc., etc., etc. There, believe me, it's a lot. So, anyways. So, the first type, let's talk about topographical maps. Now, topographical maps show different things than road maps do. While they will show roads, they do so without most of the names, so they really can't replace road maps. But they add a lot of information that you're not going to find on road maps, such as terrain features, groundwater, and forests. The terrain features will help you identify mountains, hills, canyons, and rivers. Topographical maps are essential for off-road traveling. They show jeep trails in addition to the terrain features. But it's really the terrain maps which are the most important. You'll be able to see if there's an insurmountable cliff or river bank along the route. Essential information to avoid getting trapped traveling along a route, which doesn't give you a way out. The topographical maps will all show you groundwater that you might not otherwise know about. While lakes and rivers will usually show up on a road map, 
Streams, ponds, and especially canals won't. So a topographical map will show you critical information that you need to know in order to survive. Now as far as food goes, many are planning on augmenting their food stockpiles with hunting and fishing. It's a good idea if you can do it. But survival hunting isn't like the sport hunting that many of us do in the fall. With survival hunting, there's an imperative to bag something and to do so in as little time as possible. That means knowing where to go so that you have the highest possibility of finding game. That's why you want to annotate the best hunting and fishing areas, which are within a reasonable distance of your home and your survival retreat. You'll also want to note what sorts of game are available in each of those locations and any seasonal information about that game. Fortunately, a lot of that information is available through your state's fish and game department, as well as hunting and fishing clubs and online groups. What you're really going to do, be doing is digging up that information and compiling it into a map that you can use. Let's talk about resource maps. This is important stuff as well. You know, another map of compiled information that you should be put together is a resource map. Now, while things are okay, you'll want to start seeking out the various resources which are available around where you live. I'm just not talking about the kind of resources you'll need to have in order to survive, but also those you'll need to help rebuild society if you choose to go that route. Our cities are filled with warehouses that have essential parts equipment, tools, and supplies. Much of that will just end up sitting there gathering dust in the wake of an EMP. But if we are ever going to rebuild society in the wake of an EMP, then we'll need to know what's in those various warehouses. We'll most likely find just about everything we need. Keeping in mind that most of those warehouses are metal buildings. That makes them Faraday cages. At least we hope so. So even though our electronics will be totally fried by the MP, there will be working electronics we can use. If we can generate electricity, we'll just need to know where to find it. Grab a phone book. Keep it with this map as well. Even though most of the names of the companies listed in the yellow pages will be so innocuous as to be worthwhile. But it might help you find some things that you don't already have noted on your map. That's why I said, laminate your maps, get a grease pencil, and you can annotate your maps. Let's talk about your private treasure map. If you have supply catches, and you should, then you need to be sure that you have maps showing where that treasure is stashed. You can think of this as your own private treasure map showing where you buried your treasure. Never build a catch without annotating its location on your catch map along with the landmarks you'll need to find in order to find your catch again. Some people say cache. I say catch. Well, I do. Of all your maps, this is the one you want to guard the most, keeping others from seeing it. Because you never know who will remember what and go looking for it before you do. Better to not let them know where it is or that it's even there. Now let's talk about a spiderweb evacuation map. Oh, I got plenty of time in this segment. All right, we all know that we need 
to have a bug out plan, including a route from our home to our survival retreat, but I don't think that's enough. The Air Force has a concept they use when planning covert insertions and bombing raids called a spiderweb map. It contains the planned route for the mission as well as a number of alternative routes, including connecting legs from each leg to the main route to the alternatives, so that a plan exists to modify the route along the way if that proves to be necessary. Now, considering the high probability of serious traffic problems, as well as natural disasters taking out roads and bridges, earthquakes, for example, it only makes sense to utilize the same sort of system in creating our bug out route. We need alternatives for each leg of the route, along with ways to get from our planned route to those alternatives and back, should the time come. Each leg should be scouted with potential dangers and choke points noted on the map. Now, there's a list of maps. Do you have any other that you've added to your collection that have been missed? What would you do differently? That's really what we're talking about. So, you can get most of your maps at a good sporting goods shop or at the U.S. Geological Survey Office. I think that is important. And most of them, you buy really cheap or they're free. So there you have it. Now, if you decide to download the map, that's fine. But, you know, if you download the map, I would take it to like a Kinko's or a FedEx office. Something or, you know, somewhere where they can put it all together and make a large map, a larger map for you out of the 8 by 11 sheets of paper that you downloaded on. All right. Now, the idea, I also like the idea of the warehouses because, like I said, you know, this is, there's a lot of warehouses, guys. So, all right, all right. What else are we here? Trying to think of something else that we should. You know, I don't know that all warehouses are EMP proof. I mean, uh, you look at modern day construction, there are just leaks everywhere from it. So, like, there won't, it has to be all metal all around. And some, most of these things really aren't. Most of them really aren't. Um, when we return from our break, we'll start segment three. For you patriots out there and you preppers, you need to be paying attention to this. This is going to be a good one. So do me a favor, stick around. We'll be right back after this break. Got to get in there. Otherwise, Don Lowry harasses me by text, email, and he calls me. So listen to his ads and know that Don is really a good guy. All right. We'll be right back after this.
Proper has made tactical gear with a purpose for over 50 years since their first U.S. Navy contract in 1967. Today, Proper designs and manufactures professional-level tactical apparel and gear for military, law enforcement, and public safety professionals and civilians, whether in the service, on the job, or off for the weekend. Log on to ContraRadioNetwork.com and click on the Proper banner now. Black Metal Firearms are a couple guys I know personally and friends of mine that put together some great accessories for all your firearms needs. Everything that I've seen them do is just top-notch and very nice looking. BlackMetalFirearms.com. Check them out. I think you'll be glad you did. Go to Facebook, Black Metal Firearms. they got a great page there too. Learn more about the workmanship and the craftsmanship they put into every accessory and every build they do. Thanks for sticking around. We appreciate it. This next uh, topic we're going to talk about is the coming civil war. Now, we've done stories about this before. I don't necessarily agree with everything that is in this article. It's from libertyrush.com. Some of the stuff I do agree with. Some of it I just, mm, no, I just don't see it. But because I don't see it doesn't mean it's not worth mentioning. So with that said, let us get started with it. Uh, what is this? It's LibertyRush.com written by Rocky. Let's talk about this. It needs to be talked about. And I'll tell you why. Because if we don't talk about it, somebody somewhere isn't going to get the information they need. So let us, well, you know, let's think about this for a second. Um, Yesterday, many people online have suggested that, is it Seattle or Portland? In Portland, they are already in a civil war. Some of the protesters had broken through and attacked the federal courthouse there and have also attacked federal officers. That could be a civil war. I don't know. But to let you know it did happen, and of course our mainstream media will not tell you about it because it ruins their narrative of peaceful protesters. 57 straight days. Now there is an argument to be made on both sides of this, and that is this. The people of those cities that are experiencing ongoing riots and whatnot have elected feckless Democrats who, don't, who, who, who want this to happen. 
And as a result, there's an argument to be made that, you know what? You elected this. You knew what these people are about. You wanted this. We should just let them burn until they decide that they don't want that kind of a government anymore. Until they start holding those particular feckless Democrats and liberals and Marxists that they elected to account. Let the cities burn. Don't, don't save them. This is what they wanted. They got what they wanted. On the flip side, there are many people who did not want this but still lost in the election. Should those people be saved? If you're wealthy enough and you have the resources, you could leave that area and go somewhere else. On the other hand, the majority of the people don't have the resources to leave that area. And as a result, are stuck in that situation. The one they didn't want, they don't want, and are losing everything if you own a business there. The argument being, for those reasons alone, they should go in there, the federal officers should go in there and restore order. So with that said, let's talk about the potential of a coming civil war. And it won't be structured like the 19th century civil war that pitted North versus South. A modern civil war will be decentralized, rapid in its deployments, and organized using pro-terrorism online platforms such as Disgracebook, which is really Facebook, Twitter, which I refer to as Twatter, and YouTube, all of whom are run by the very same lunatic left-wing criminals who will be waging attacks against America. Disgracebook and Twatter are essentially terrorist platforms now that censor all pro-America voices and conservatives. Now, okay, look, as I said, I don't agree with everything they say. But with that said, I will bring to you what was written. The full auto weapons and silencers used by left-wing militants will be funded by corporate America, which has already donated over half a billion dollars to so-called social justice. It's just a money laundering operation to buy more weapons for BLM terrorists. By the way, most of the Black Lives Matter protesters and rioters, they're white people from the upper middle class strata. Look it up. Remember that, remember that the next time you make a purchase of anything, including a Big Mac, a Netflix subscription, or a pair of name brand shoes. You may be funding terrorists who want you dead. Now the structure of the upcoming Civil War won't be like anything you've seen in U.S. history. A recent article in foreignpolicy.com, an academic-leaning publication that caters to globalists, offers an insightful analysis of the likely structure of the coming civil war. Keep in mind that foreignpolicy.com is a pro-globalism publication that publishes propaganda hit pieces like one entitled QAnon's Madness is Turning Canadians into Potential Assassins. It's essentially a far-fetched hit piece on the QAnon phenomenon, setting up a narrative to blame QAnon when Canada rolls out its own Boston Marathon-style false flag bombings, 
to push the narrative that gun owners are all terrorists, except for the gun owners who are Black Lives Matter terrorists, of course. The publication also claims white males are going to be the ones committing most of the violence, magically leaving out all the black people who are committing most of the violence on the streets of America today. Okay, I gotta stop there. Black Lives Matter are mo- and Antifa are mostly made up of the trophy participation generation. You remember them from the 90s? Oh, you participated in soccer, you didn't play, but here's a trophy for participating. Well, they've grown up. Again, most of Antifa and the BLM movement is made up of that generation. White, upper, white, middle income class kids who have grown up to become the useful idiots of the left. As for the black people who are committing the most violence on the streets, I would say, look at Chicago. On the south side. Yeah, it's mostly black Americans killing other black Americans. The latest one uh, last yesterday, on July 21st, 15 people shot at a funeral. And there is video of it. There is. So, my question is, you know what? I don't care if you're white or black, tell the truth. It doesn't matter. If you're out there being a shitbag and a thug, you should be dealt with immediately and harshly. So... I don't like that particular passage it just smacks of hmm anyways now there's a an organization called NFAC NFAC group marching down the highway near Atlanta threatening people with guns and actually demanding reparations from white occupants of the vehicles And then there's another video out there of NFAC leaders explaining their manifesto. Their plans include filing a declaration of liberation in which they claim they will declare every black person in America to be a political prisoner while demanding the U.S. government hand over territory that the NFAC will take over for their own black ethnostate. You know what? I haven't seen these. I don't know if it's true. They currently plan to demand the state of Texas be handed over to them as part of the reparations transfer. That will never happen. Just won't. Uh, So foreignpolicy.com claiming that all the violence will be carried out by white males is pure delusion. Well, not necessarily. But that doesn't mean the rest of their analysis is wrong. It seems to be spot on actually describing the structure of the coming civil war. For the United States, they say... The shape of future homeland conflicts will be asymmetrical, distributed, and heterogeneous. A contemporary homeland conflict would likely self-compose with numerous dynamic factions organized by digital tools around ideological and affinity networks. It would likely be a patchwork of affiliated 
insurgency groups and their counterparts engaging in light skirmishes along the overlapping edges of their networks mixed with occasional high-value terror attacks against soft and hard targets. So essentially what they're describing is flash mobs of armed left-wing militants who coordinate a plan on Facebook and Twitter. No, about, no doubt with the full support of Zuckerberg and Dorsey. And then spring into action, carrying out their mass murder on an intended target, then vanishing into the cities. Okay. Um, yes. Now, likely targets might include white neighborhoods, malls and shopping centers, government buildings, the homes of conservatives, patriots, and journalists, private homes of law enforcement, daycare centers, and schools that cater to white people. And that's where they end it. Now, maybe. What they don't take into account, there are black, patri black American patriots out there. And they don't want anything to do with the left-wing fringe of the Democratic Party. And it's out there, and it's terrible. Anyhow, hold on. We'll be right back after this break. Well, we will. I promise you that. Radio Network, CRN, for all the right reasons. At Stag Arms, there is no weak side. Our rifles are 100% American-made, including each and every part assembled. We aim to provide recreational shooters, law enforcement officers, hunters, and professional shooters with super quality and competitively priced rifles. Every rifle shipped is built to order. Check out Stag Arms now. Log on to ContraRadioNetwork.com and click on the Stag Arms banner. Welcome to our fourth and final segment of the Jeffers Brief. I'm John Jeffers. Welcome. Let's talk a little bit more about this. How about this? Here are six items to carry if there are going to be protests in your state or town or city. Now, the face of downtown Richmond, Virginia has changed radically. There's a point where if you that you cross Monument Avenue every single day on your way to work, but some people haven't been up there since the riots and protests. The city, is, the city has been put on edge, and blocks of public and private property have been destroyed and defaced. The nightly protests have changed the way that Richmonders operate. All across the nation, cities have seen similar scenarios, and in some parts of the nation, people have been beaten or battered to a near-death state. 
Cars have been attacked and people have even died. Do you know how to avoid these protests? There is also, uh, you got to have, you know, everyday carry when dealing with protests like these. And you need to have these. These are all the items that will keep you safe, hopefully, and give you options in the very worst case scenario. The first one is blend in. Stasher jackets are rain jackets that are usually carried by hikers and campers. They are great. Now, some people like having them close by because they can be used to cover up your loud t-shirt because you'll never know what the protests are mad at today. There's a wide range of anger and frustration that is hammering our nation. A simple black stature jacket can turn you into someone who is wearing a simple black jacket. That, this means that you cannot be implicated for the t-shirt you're wearing. That might sound trivial, but you will feel much safer when you are anonymous in crowds like these. They just don't yell at you. They will likely, you will likely be sucker punched and stomped into unconsciousness. It's a beautiful display of the 21st century civility. Face protection. Now a mask will protect your identity as, as well as your health. There is much debate about the COVID-19 spikes and massive protests. But I think common sense would be enough to understand how a few infected people could spread the virus like crazy in a protest situation. So the type of mask you wear is important too. You must be incredibly careful about the design you choose. If you're walking through a protest with a red MAGA mask on, you're asking for trouble. So be careful about what mask you wear. If you got to have that MAGA mask, then just make sure you have some of the options available. How about a special communication unit? Communication is the key. For example, you could use a Balfang UV5R, which I have a few of those. These radios do a number of things if you program them effectively. They can allow you to communicate with others around you who are outfitted with radios. This way you can make sure people aware of protest and gather important intel about the location of protest in the area. The Balfins are and can also be programmed to listen to communications from first responders. Effectively, they can become scanners that will give you even more vital intel on what is happening around you. Now, it has been rumored that the authorities can cut cell service in certain areas by using advanced tech. If your cell is compromised inadvertently, you'll be able to communicate using the Balfang. The radios must be programmed and practiced with for you to be effective. Don't assume you're going to just jump right in and be an expert. If you are taking the radio out of the package as you approach the protest, it won't be of much help. You're going to, pro you're going to program these Balfangs with a CHIRP program. And it's free and it's online. How about a trauma kit or a first aid kit? Wouldn't hurt to have it. Wear real shoes. Stop with the flip-flops and the smooth bottom dress shoes. Ladies, forget about heels and the rest of the shoes that are impossible to run in. How about chemicals? Mace or, say, pepper spray. Oh yeah, that works. And you should carry you should get the biggest container possible. The party pack that's in the fire extinguisher works wonders. It really does. What else have we got here? What else is going on? Okay. Um How about six traps to place on your property against looting or rioters? Uh, 
Okay, the Black Lives Matter seems to have gained legs and is receiving lots of support from a, a wide range of places, including many who didn't support them before. Unfortunately, there have been many cases in which peaceful protests have become or have been hijacked by bad actors, probably from Antifa, who have turned those peaceful protests into riots. Now, a number of different police chiefs have come forth stating unequivocally that the demonstrators were not the rioters, but rather that the rioters were embedded in with the peaceful demonstrators, using them as camouflage and trying to shift the blame for their bad actions onto those who are just exercising their First Amendment rights. As I've said before, I don't care if you want to protest. You want to stop, scream, yell, carry on, carry your signs, whatever. I don't care. But you cross the line when you start destroying private property and attacking people. Now you have become a criminal and as and should be a legitimate target of everyone. Now, let's talk about lights and cameras. The first thing any of us should do is mount lights and cameras on our home. Outdoor lighting is a good protection against your home being broken into anyway, making it a good idea. While that lighting may not stop a mob going down your street, it will make it easier for the cameras to get a good shot of anyone who comes on your property. Don't bother trying to hide your cameras, but place them high enough that they can't get to them. Roof-mounted cameras are hard to get to, and if one climbs on your roof to get them, they'll be caught on camera, assuming you have your cameras set to ensure they have full coverage. For those that don't know, I did do just that. Went to RioLink, and I bought the Wi-Fi cameras. Uh, four cameras, including these solar panels, to charge them and keep them charged so I don't have to run cable or power throughout the house to our power source for them. It was about $400, maybe 500 tops. And they were easy to install. And your cameras and lights should be triggered by motion detectors so you don't have them on full time. How about hedges? Favorite defensive measures for the perimeter of your property is hedges. If you put a fence in front of your home, it's obvious what it is. Few of them are few of them are any problem for that mob as they can knock them down or climb over them. About the only fence they'll do much good is a tall one with pointy spikes on the top, but that's rather obvious. On the other hand, you can plant a hedge around your property line, which if done properly, is much harder to get through. By property I'm referring to several things. Um, planting the bushes close enough together so that people can't push between them, no more than two feet apart. Make sure your hedge overlaps any fences or corners of your home so that there are no gaps there. Intertwining the branches of the bushes so that the top of any one branch might be two or three plants away from its roots. Using some sort of brush with sharp thorns. Like, uh, say, Bougamblia, which grows very quickly. Grow the hedge both high and thick. Four feet is high enough to be hard to get over and three feet thick makes it very hard to climb over, especially with thorns. How about electric fence? Now you can easily make it bigger deterrent by electrifying it. Electric fences are used to control animals on a fairly common basis, giving you a way to giving you a way to explain it away. You can either say you've installed it to keep your dogs in or stray dogs out. Now electrifying the fence doesn't make the whole thing be electrified, but rather adding an electric fence element to it. That is usually a single uninsulated wire mounted on the inside of the fence with standoffs. It provides a non-lethal electric shock to anyone that touches the wire. Now, if you are required to post a sign for electric fencing warning to people that it is electrified, that's fine. 
The science serves as a deterrent too, but posting it doesn't mean you don't have to work post every five feet. Find out the minimum requirements for your area. They aren't real close. For example, Fort Worth, Texas requires posting every 25 feet. So be sure you do not allow it to be any farther so that you are in compliance with the law and you won't end up being in civil court, but knowing these people, they probably bring you there anyways. Uh, some of these other things, it's like, eh, I don't know. All right. What time is it? Okay. Look, I'm running out of time here, folks. I want to say thanks for listening to the Compton Radio Network and the Jeffers Brief. Thanks for having us in. You're going to get two episodes this week, two. The bonus episode of the call-in show from last night with Mr. Cook and Mr. Kaz. And, you know, I don't do a lot of talking on that show. I let them do their talking and, you know, say what they want to say. So if you want to come on, if you want to say something, by all means, I encourage it. Uh, that's about it. Okay, thanks for listening. Prep today, live tomorrow. Now's the time to up your supply catch. Now's the time. Until then, I'm John Jeffers here on the Contrario Network on the Jeffers Brief saying thanks for listening. Be safe, be alert, and be vigilant. Until next time, I'm John Jeffers. We'll talk to you next week.